Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford. Come right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone at those all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe, follow, or do whatever it is that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Lakers Fast Break, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, Game Source, of course, the great folks at Humanica Media, and of course, the great folks, a.k.a. Josh Peterson, at the Happy Hoarder. Go ahead and check out what he's doing today at Happy Hoardable, at HappyHoarderCollectibles.com. Plus also everything that we do in the realm of tabletop RPG action on our YouTube channel. So subscribe today to get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with the latest pop culture cosmos. And if you could do all that, plus check out our Facebook page. And if you like it, you'll keep up to date with the latest news and notes in the world of pop culture. It is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He is a legend, not just in his own mind. It's a good man indeed. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at the Happy Hoarder at happyhoardercollectibles.com. It is Josh the Legend, Josh Peterson. Josh, great to have you back, my friend. As always, I feel like we're getting into a rhythm once again. I see you're really repping that Golden Knight stuff in the background. There. I am, absolutely. I mean, my gosh, it's our first opportunity for anything at a level of success that it has. And Stanley Cup champions. Uh, I'm just so happy for this community after the tragedies that the city has endured through over the past decade and so, several occasions. Uh, I just think that right now, this this we're really feeling good about what's going on in the city. Looking forward to NBA Summer League that has been happening right now. And also as well, what's going on here later on with the announcement that they've got a in-season tournament that's coming to las vegas and all the stuff that or we already do las vegas is always happy and jumping but you know what at the top of the bill is the las vegas golden knights that's right hey we'll see too um you know the if the kraken can get that new uh, new franchise luck next season too who knows who knows who, who knows it's all about building a team i think it's instead of just having one or two star players on the ice, it's about building an overall team, and that's what the Golden Knights did. They built a very quality team that is probably going to be a winner for hopefully seasons to come. We'll see what happens, but they did reach the top of the mountain, and I'm like the rest of Las Vegas are very happy for it. But we've got a great show lineup for you today. Got a lot of stuff to talk about in pop culture. I do want to make one small correction from last week's show with Melinda and I talking about the box office. Yes, there has been a lot of box office bombs, underperformers, underwhelmers. I know that this past weekend had Insidious, Chapter 5, plus also as well, whatever's left over from Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, although that is underperforming and most likely will be a bomb before all all is said and done there, which is such a shame for the Indiana Jones series to head on out like that but i will say though that when i was reading up on as far as the data 
yes, there has been many failures, Josh, as far as underwhelming performers, more so than what would be in a normal year. But this is still not a normal year yet, even though the box office overall is up 15% based on what they were doing last year and the year before, and especially the year before that. It's really hard to gauge whether or not the box office is truly back and back in spades. Yeah, it's weird because if you look at it, there's, you, you know, there were, we still have movies crossing a billion dollars, just not, you know, with the frequency that they once it's did. Super so, Mario Brothers is the only one at this point in time. Right. And I think that the trouble is like you're having, a, it's, it's, unless people are really motivated to leave the house to go see this movie you're not seeing like the uh the amount of people going and i know you and melinda talked about this but like you don't see the amount of people going to the movies that were once there like even you know when we went to go see the flash a few weeks ago the the theater was far from packed you know even like i remember back in it was like what 2017 sitting in a justice league screening in cerritos and you know it, it wasn't a great movie and it didn't do very well but the the theater was still pretty packed out you know so it's you just don't have people going out to the theater out of boredom anymore like you have to really something has to really be out that they want to see like looking at super mario bros guardians of the galaxy three or yeah volume three uh spider-man it's just that it just doesn't see there you if you notice you can see like anything that doesn't cross 500 million it's one of those movies where like you just it did not get the word of mouth that you know some of these other movies did and that's something that to think about because like you were talking about justice league i would go back to avengers affinity war where i know i saw it in both southern california and i also saw it in las vegas and mm -hmm. just the kind of response and the pack theaters and the emotions that were displayed because of what happened and uh, obviously, you know, I could get into spoilers. Basically, when Thanos did the snap and everybody started, you know, snapping away, people were screaming and crying in the theaters and just that type of motion. But it was the theater was packed, packed full of people in both Las Vegas and in California. I know you and I, we got to what, what was it 2019 when you came on by, you watched it with the whole crew as far as the. You know, the guys came over, Big Dog, and, and also Jamie was there as well. We caught the movie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember we came out. Uh, Chad was with us. Yes. We had Big Dog and Chad. And, yeah, we went to go see the movie in the theaters, and uh, we chatted about it afterwards. But, yeah, that was – that was it was packed. There's a lot of people in there. Yeah, And absolutely. even, like, you, you walked out of the theater, and you even saw pretty decent lines for people waiting to come in after our showing. And it wasn't like the old 70s uh, or 80s, what I'm used to when you talk about the lines were literally, and I don't want to say a mile long. I've, I've only seen it that long once in my life, and that was for Empire Strikes Back, where it was literally a mile long. But I have seen long, extended lines going down the mall or down the theater, you know, back in the day. And even though you will never have that again to any extent, it still should be some type of anticipation for these films. And yes, the movie theaters are doing a little bit better, 15% above last year. But then again, last year is still, you're coming off of COVID, people still very apprehensive about coming to the theater. Now they're getting a little bit less apprehensive, but still you can see 
as Melinda is the case in point, she is yet to return to the theaters as far as she doesn't have the enough incentive. She just does. She's not been given enough incentive to go ahead and pop back into the theaters. And I can't say I blame her. Yeah. And I, I, I totally see that too. And we're, we're also, you know, I noticed recently that uh, ticket prices have gone back up. So if you went to go see movies like, you know, post COVID, you know, right when the theater started opening up, you can get in for like three to $6, whether it's AMC or Cinemark or whatever, but now they're going back to the point where a movie, a ticket to the movies is going back up to $10, $11. So I think there's a lot of factors. There's people like Melinda who just like aren't motivated enough to, to get out and go. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like it's easier no. to, to sit we're, on your couch and watch a movie. Streaming. Yeah, we're yeah, streaming. Yeah, exactly. Why should you? Exactly. Because, I mean, we have things jumping onto streaming platforms, what, six weeks after they come out now? So you're not really yeah. missing out on much. And you pay... Instead of paying, you know, ten dollars per person, you just either rent or buy the movie on a streaming platform and watch on your couch, order a pizza. It's a lot cheaper than going to the movies. And then, you know, you also have—I don't know if you've noticed—and you know how I feel about critic culture, but this idea that there, since COVID happened, everyone started started blogs and things like that. There's a lot more movie critics out there than there was before, and we're getting the just the whole judging movie culture has become a lot more negative than it was before and i didn't even think that could happen so i think a lot of that is deterring people from spending money on it and being like okay well maybe i'll just wait till it comes out exactly so a lot of different factors are are leading the box office to a lot of these movies not performing up to snuff even though overall the box office is higher that just means there's more people going but there's not enough to support these big, humongous films at this point in time, my friend. I think that's where we're at. I think there's an edit. It's better than last year, but not quite to where it's going to help a lot of these films out. Yeah, and it's sad, too, because we're it's now it's going to be a very long like we were finally getting to that point pre covid where we were starting to see a lot of indie films showing up in movie theaters. But now it feels like we have gone backwards and it's going to be a long time before the movie theaters are willing to show something outside of a big studio flick it's going to be very interesting to see what happens my friend let me ask you this this weekend this coming weekend here is when this airs for audio for everybody out there listening on podcasts or catching it on radio stations worldwide is mission impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1, and it currently has an 82 on Metacritic. So I know you're not a big fan of critic culture, but you know I like, I, I think Rotten Tomatoes is always misleading. Mm-hmm. So I think that Metacritic is the one I go by because that's the overall rating for what it is based off of all the critics that are out there. 82 is a darn good score for a A blockbuster movie. And you have all the big stunts that he's doing and all the big things that he's doing. And I know Melinda and I are going to talk about it on the Friday show, but I wanted to go hear your thoughts on this, my friend. With, of course, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning Part 1. This is probably the last, if you want to consider Barbie, maybe that could be still a big hit as well. Is this really the last chance for a huge hit this summer? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I can't think of any. There's nothing else really coming out, so this could be like we've had 
you know, it was surprising that Fast and the Furious did as poorly as it did. And I know I actually read something where Steven Spielberg was saying, you know, Tom Cruise is trying to save movies. I think there's been so much good publicity built up around Mission Impossible that it, it, it very well could. And if it doesn't, then there is a problem that that, I don't know, somebody needs to go back and examine because, uh, you know, if uh, I guess we need to go back and reexamine exactly what makes a big blockbuster film. Like, what is it? What will drive people to the movies if not, you know, to see Tom Cruise do these insane stunts or cars flying through the air you know what what is it that people what is it that will get people out of their house and into the movie theaters because right now we have a list basically a list a myriad of films so far this summer who have not performed up to snuff uh, fast x even though it's going to do 700 800 million dollars it's still compared to the previous entry not anywhere near what it did so that's that's not boding bode well for the series that the numbers are going down there by 20 percent right around there i think from the previous one then you have dunson's dragons under among thieves that didn't do so well i wish that one had done well it's even got critical acclaim it, it actually was thought of very well by the critics and that still didn't make just barely over 200 million dollars didn't earn back all it needed to earn back air a movie that was well thought of by the critics that also didn't perform well at the box office. And of course, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, after its first week, it tanked hard. You have all these movies that we talked about. The Flash is severely underperformed. Elemental, get this, Josh. Elemental, which was thought of as a bomb when it first came out, that movie's actually passed The Flash in the box office. So that got to $100 million first. That will still probably as an, you know end up as probably being a net loss, but at least it'll be a little bit better than what was expected and then again you have other films like this year that came out like shazam that one's pretty bad uh you know just so many movies out there underperforming it concerns me greatly and i know i talked about this on the friday show but it's still i think it should be a big concern for a lot of people out there yeah absolutely and if you look at it like a lot of these you know look at shazam indiana jones uh dungeons and dragons the flash of ant-man the little mermaid all of these were tied to something controversial or uh negative as far as like the critical perception goes so i there is a lot of uh you know the critics still do hold a lot of weight you know and i think that they also if we're about you know if we're gonna get people back in the movie theaters they also have to like pull their weight like encourage people to go stop telling people not to go see movies Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, they have encouraged people to go say, go check it out. And of course, uh, Tom ha Cruise has done a great job trying to promote the film. They've done all the hype as far as the stunt videos that have already been released. And, you know, he's talking about you need, everybody needs to go back to the movies. And he bought tickets for Indiana Jones. He's bought tickets for Barbie and Oppenheimer. And now the other stars of the Barbie movie, you know, Margot Robbie doing the same thing, buying the tickets for all the other movies as well, they're all trying to help each other out, trying to get that word out there because right now, again, I still think even with the box office up as it is, overall, these big budget movies are not getting the return on their investment overall. I, I see a higher percentage of underperforming films than what I'm used to seeing. 
Yeah, yeah, and it's, you know, again, it's hard to say exactly what's causing this, but it it, it could be one thing, could be a lot of factors. But yeah, I mean, point the point being, like, we're gonna see. I, my fear here is that we're gonna see less and less movies coming out if something doesn't change in this, uh, you know, this current system that we have. What's your thoughts out there on the current state of the movies and the box office? Please let us know. And also your thoughts on if Tom Cruise can save the box office this coming weekend. Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, my friend, more to discuss on today's show. You've been talking about Final Fantasy 16. Again, we've touched on a little bit as far as how it interests me for the first time as someone who's not really been interested in the gameplay style that Final Fantasy offers and the fact that the overarching story has been as incoherent as the Fast and Furious series. But with Final Fantasy 16, it is more and more like the Souls gameplay third-person actioneer that a lot of people have been hoping the Final Fantasy series has been gearing towards to. And it is less and less RTS, less and less an RPG. Then, now it's more of an action fighter. Your thoughts on your time with Final Fantasy 16 so far? So I'm about halfway through. I just, I looked at, I, I didn't... I don't spoil my spoil things. You know, my wife always says I cheat by like looking at like walkthroughs on how to beat certain things. But um, I went on a walkthrough just to see how far I was in the game. And I'm about 50% through the game. And wow, it, it's it's fantastic. Like you can tell that the the director of Devil May Cry had his hands on the combat system because it's everything feels it flows so well. Just like the way the combos hit and just the flashy lights and the way that you can switch between the powers of the icons when you're fighting like oh my gosh I every battle i look forward to i love it i, I go out of my way to like fight everything i can because i like that's that just just the way it plays so much um story is actually like it's good you know like the final fantasy 15 was like one of the so i will always hold this against square like i love the game and i hate that they put it out in such an incomplete state and then canceled all like the, cause I was back. Remember when they were doing like, Oh, it's a, it's a game as a service, you know, things are going to keep coming out for it as it goes. Like people are releasing incomplete games and that game definitely suffered from this, but final fantasy 16, I tell you, it is amazing. It is a complete experience. The story is very, very well written, very dark, not really something that, you can put you should play with kids around but uh it has i don't know it's just it's got grit i tell you and uh i think i i was talking to uh chris uh valenta right of, of vetius yes and I was, I was chatting with him about it and he's he says that it's the best final fantasy that he's ever played and i am on the verge of agreeing with him i just want to get to the end to see if that's how i truly feel but so far i love it so if you're someone who likes fast-paced action games like and you were 
what, what am I trying to say? Afraid to check out Final Fantasy before? Like, this is definitely the place to jump into the franchise. So I ask you, my friend, has there been much of a pushback? Because I think once you change the style of gameplay so dramatically from what it once was before, and you have it in a totally new direction now that is more modern, that is more palpable to a larger audience, which I think is an absolutely brilliant move by Square Enix. Will not fault them there. Also, not loving the fact that it's not on you know a multi-platform deal. But oh well, sorry Xbox. Again, they'll pay them back with Starfield and all the Bethesda games going forward being on Xbox. So the tit for tat there. I want to ask your thoughts though on how they're shaking this out that is it much more of a palpable experience for a larger base of gamers, but are you still getting pushback? Are you hearing of pushback amongst the gaming community that have played and have gotten used to a certain style of gameplay with the Final Fantasy series? You know, it's funny you ask that because uh, one of the guys from the Super BS um, Gamescast that we used to do, he was someone who was like completely anti-new Final Fantasy everything because just because he's he's a um he's a purist right so like everything mm-hmm. has to be the way that he's come to expect things from final fantasy he bought a playstation last week and he is absolutely loving this game so Oops. i yeah right so i i don't know like i haven't the only i haven't really heard any negative like feedback from this game the only thing negative i've heard you know are the people like pointing out how you know it's all white characters and things like that but i mean that has nothing to do with the gameplay so everyone i've talked to who have have been like longtime final fantasy fans are really loving this game so i and i see that it is absolutely worthy of like the nines and tens that it's gotten from critics do you think it stands a chance at uh, being a competitor for game of the year because already seemingly every major outlet out there has given tears of the kingdom the title already yeah, I think it'll get nominated, but I don't think it's going to win. You, you know, like you had said, like Tears of the Kingdom is going to be the nominated game. And it it it, it almost like sucks to have put a game out the same year as a new Zelda game because there's no way you're going to win that. Well, I'll tell you what, though, my friend, it does look like it's really, really getting better as far as what's going on with Final Fantasy 16. Again, it's becoming more palpable to a wider generation of fans. And I think that is the absolutely smart move for Square Enix to go ahead and do just that. And going forward, more people will be interested in Final Fantasy. It's no longer your dad's Final Fantasy. It is your Final Fantasy now. No, all they got to do now is take the numbers off, and I think that they'll it'll go along and take the numbers off or or reboot the numbers, and I think they'll I think they'll be able to pull in you know younger audiences into these games. We'll see what happens though, but it is Final Fantasy 16. If you have thoughts, please let us know. Popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But before we hit the half hour break, my friend, I've got a little bone to pick with arcade one up and the reason why i say that is because they just sent a press release in regards to a 30th anniversary nba jam boom shakalaka unit coming around 700 plus a countercade option as well new versions of stuff that they've already regurgitated and put out there it is they're actually displaying it for the first time here in vegas at the nba con 
right down the road here, about uh, seven miles away from me. But I ask you, my friend, they're now bigger, larger, and more expensive, but regurgitating and trying to, uh, I guess, almost shapeshift the, the, the IPs that they already have. They're not bringing out really anything new. They're just bringing out like, oh yeah, Mortal Kombat Anniversary Edition or a Street Fighter Anniversary Edition or now an NBA Jam Anniversary Edition. Sounds like the well is starting to run dry. I actually commented a few years ago when I was with, talking with one of the heads of RK1UP uh, a few years back at CES. It was like their second year in, I think. And I said, you know, off camera, but, you know, I recorded a general interview and I actually, it's, you know, it's in the archives. You want to go ahead and check it out. Wanted to go ahead and ask you your thoughts on this. What's your thoughts at that time on WWE? And he said, I can't really make a comment in this time. I said, I bet you it's licensing, right? That's going to be a problem for them to get. They're not making a much of effort or headway ever since. But also the fact that Nintendo has this beautiful line of arcade IP games that they could go ahead and try to pitch them. Because that for Nintendo, even if they decide to shun Arcade 1-Up, that would be a great source of revenue for them. Your thoughts on this? I do not see a happy ending unless they think of some dramatic new way of going ahead and re-spicing up the Arcade 1-Up brand. Because the Arcade 1-Up brand, I'm not going to say it's in trouble. They tried the Infinity Game Board, you know, the where it was giving you like a ton of board games on one nice 13 to 20 inch tablet that deals it was pretty good but it didn't hit big your thoughts though on arcade one up and where it stands because you and i both have had air arcade one ups i still have it your thoughts on arcade one up it's like you said it's a licensing problem like they haven't tapped some of these arcade games because they're owned by sega they're owned by nintendo they're owned by atari like i i remember playing the arcades as a kid i mean obviously i don't have the you were you have probably have more experience with arcades because they're more prominent when you were younger and they're kind of dying out as I was growing up. But, um, you know, I, I remember being able to play Tekken in the arcade Virtue Fighter, which is owned by Sega. Uh, Tekken, I think, is owned by Sony. Right. And then you have Ergies, which is owned by Square. Like, yes, there there are a bunch of amazing arcade games. They just they need to get access to them. My biggest bone with Arcade One Up is that they don't actually use the original copies of these games when they're putting these uh, these cabinets together. A lot of them are their um, emulations. Em they're emulations, but they're not emulations of the original. They come from like the Nintendo version or the Game Boy version or things like that. We bought a Galaga uh, arcade one up, as I've discussed before on the show, and it actually came from a PlayStation three greatest hits ROM. So I'd, I struggle. I struggle with them. Like they have a lot of cool things, but you know, it, put out something quality though. Like if you want someone to pay four or five hundred dollars, like put out something that is that is the game that they're expecting to play. Well, my friend, they're no longer four or five hundred dollars in many cases. There still are in some cases, but a lot of cases, like for instance, the NBA Jam 30th Anniversary just edition, that's coming out at seven hundred dollars. And if you want a full size one. In some cases, which there are already, I believe, of NBA Jam and Mortal Kombat, they're over a grand, or at least they mm -hmm. started out over a grand. So you're yeah. talking about some pretty pricey units. For one time, was two ninety nine, and I actually got mine on the cheap as well. Remember getting that on clearance for mine that I've got right over here. So I'm just saying right now, I'm just thinking that 
you've got to stop regurgitating the same things, the same IPs that you that you have already. I understand it's cost effective, but you're not introducing new cabinets out there that are really wowing the audience base. Plus the fact there's this gold mine called Nintendo. If they decided to do it on their own, could really destroy the and put out the business, the arcade one-up market. So I have the at games thing, you know, we that we've talked about that before, you know, when it came out and we played it at E3 and all that. I have that and I just, you know, I have a bunch of like games that, you know, someone gave me a USB drive that I just stuck in there and I can play all this stuff. But th- to that point, though, why would you pay four or five hundred dollars for something that, yeah, that has been regurgitated that you probably own already? Uh, even if you are a collector, when you just go, there's all these independent arcade makers out there that will put you know, for thirteen, thirteen, twelve, thirteen hundred dollars, they'll put a thousand games on here from every console across every generation. Like, why would you not go to one of them? I see the market dying here in the not too distant future if it doesn't do anything to correct itself and go after a WWE properties or a Nintendo properties. I I Arcade, who Zhang, who I actually I met met him when they first started out I Arcade. They just announced here in the past month and a half that they bit the dust. So they're as a company. So I'm telling you right now, these home arcade systems, if you don't keep out putting out different types, different games, even if they're collections of different stuff thrown at you, really, I see the market drying up real soon. Oh, absolutely. There absolutely is a market for home arcades. Put out something that people like want to play and that they will keep going back to play it. I'll tell you what, my friend, it's so interesting to see what the market will do and how the market will change constantly. But if they don't start learning from their lessons and understanding about how people want nostalgia, but they don't want the same nostalgia repackaged into the same thing and to look something slightly different, they're going to go ahead at Arcade 1-Up and learn their lessons the hard way. But we'll see what happens. What are your thoughts out there? Do you own an Arcade 1-Up? And are you finally done with the whole Arcade 1-Up craze, the home arcade systems? Or do you want to see other titles? I want to see some WWF titles. I know a lot of people out there want to see some Nintendo titles. So you let us know your thoughts on that. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion-dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. My friend, we're a little bit over halfway down, a little less than halfway to go, my friend, on this edition of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks so much for joining us. Truly appreciate it. The Witcher Season 3, it is the last and final season for Henry Cavill. The first four episodes are done, Part 1. Part 2 is coming later this month. I've already seen the advance word that the returns are down across the board and go down with each episode as far as retention and viewing. I know that I think I believe that's properly maybe not just based off of the actual quality of the show, but more so the fact that I think that they realize that Henry Cavill's days are done as the Witcher. 
your thoughts on this, my friend. You've had some time that you spent with The Witcher. What are your thoughts on that on Netflix? Uh, a few things. One, I do think that they are suffering from the James Gunn conundrum as yeah, Henry Cavill is exiting. People don't want Liam Hemsworth uh, playing Geralt. And so people are like, oh, well, why am I going to keep watching this? Even though it's silly because, you know, he's still Geralt, at least for right now. Mm-hmm. Also, they changed a lot of things from the books in this season. So I think that's sitting poorly in a lot of people's, um, a lot of people's mouths right now. And lastly... I don't know if you've ever like I the what was it the um Witcher origin series like that I think really damaged that franchise. Really? Yeah, because that was that was not good at all. Even though it, it had was, Michelle Yeoh, it's mm-hmm. it was. Yeah, I told you I couldn't get through the first episode. I tried yeah, well, and I failed. Yeah, I I kind of forced myself through the rest of the show, and it You're was a brave man. It was equally bad all around, and I think that that did a lot of damage because people who might not have jumped who probably wanted to started with that one unfortunately we're like oh i don't know if i want to watch any more of this and i i feel like the witcher will probably get more viewing as you know the months go on the rest of the year goes on but uh, for right now it's uh i don't know it's not it's not amazing you know i am i am i guess i have enjoyed what i've seen so far but i don't know if you've ever like I started watching The Witcher on on our 4K TV, and it looks the monsters look really bad. You did say that. I know before when it came to the previous uh, origin series, The Witcher Origins. I just think that you get to the point where you have the successful series, and you just you become a little bit conceited and rest on your laurels. If you're Netflix, Netflix again. You know, they're not putting out as much as they used to, Josh, but they're still on occasion putting out stuff that's substandard. I mean, The Witcher Origins, despite Michelle Yeoh, that was absolutely horrid, absolutely horrid. And, you know, that's some of the worst of pop culture I've seen in quite some time. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, uh, I think that uh, goes the same as far as what we're talking about going forward. And like you said, The Witcher series could have been a series very long, very successful but now with the ratings start to slide and now you've got a new lead character coming in place, I don't see high hopes for it as well. Yeah, and it, it's you know, they're they are getting kind of lazy. Like there there was really good storytelling in the first couple seasons, but this one they're falling into formulas. They're saying like, oh hey, the audience responded well to this last season. Let's do it again. But I don't think audiences want to see the same things over and over again. I, I don't really see them being adventurous with this one, at least so far, because the, the first episode that is the only one I've seen and all of the, all they did really did is like walk. <laughs> <laughs> it just is very disappointing and I know that uh, Melinda says she has to go back to it, but she hasn't had that kind of urgency either. Same thing for her when it comes to Secret Invasion. Your thoughts, though, on Secret Invasion, because, again, you know, that's halfway down. We're going to head into episode four here. Everybody's thinking Rhodey's a scroll. Are you a scroll? Am I a scroll? Who's a scroll in Secret Invasion? You know, it'd be cool if they had Kiss on there and they sang a song called I Want to Rock and Scroll All Night. <laughs> 
Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, no, actually, like, I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it. I've been watching it vicariously through you and Melinda as I've been listening to the uh, pop culture multiverse show. Well, see, I was hoping that one would be the one that gets you back in the MCU because I know I, it, you've been kind of distant from it. Yeah, no, it it is. I just like I haven't had time to watch it, like, because it came out around the same time Final Fantasy did. So I'm trying to play Final Fantasy before I start watching anything else. But I I am curious to watch it because I have seen all the stuff where people are assuming Rhodey's a scroll, and it's interesting you know and it seems like it has that like espionage feel to it like winter soldier had a little bit it does but it's just not the same je ne sais quoi i mean as i commented on last week's show i thought that captain america winter soldier is the best spy movie yeah yeah at least this century i think uh skyfall is close but i do think that it is number one winter soldier is so get trying to get to that level it's just not there but mm-hmm. you know with the advent of the scrolls and the super scrolls as far as you know the scrolls now trying to create uh, bigger larger more uh, enhanced versions of themselves utilizing traits from everything from Groot to other individual specimens and dna that they've collected to try and incorporate that into a super scroll type format as far as at least a few of them so we'll see if that materializes but yeah it this is something again that it seemed so good on paper the comic series was such a well thought of out as far as a a uh, i don't know just a just just a well done comic book series and i think it's okay so far but it's just not wowing me over at this point in time yeah, I, I mean, I, I hope it's good. If, if it's not wowing you, then I don't. <laughs> yeah, you're you're the the opinion that I value most with the MCU oh, stuff. You. you know, like I because for the most part, like you and I pretty much agree on a lot of the stuff going on in the MCU. GOTG3, it's like we were not excited for it after what happened with GOTG2. And yeah, of course, you and I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and mm-hmm. that was just. I barely gave that a, a positive rating, and I still feel like I overpro <laughs> overrated it. it was, you know, it was one of those movies that like just existed, though. Like you yeah. went to go see it, and it was just a blur of motion, you know. And it like there wasn't any, there wasn't any like ups or downs or anything. It was just something you watched and walked away and came out of the theater from watching. You're like, yeah, all right. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, though, my friend, it's interesting to see what is going to happen and what's going to continue with Secret Invasion. We'll find out. And also, as well, what's happening with The Witcher. But I think the the show, the series that's getting the most attention right now, there's two. One is on FX, The Bear. And the other one is, and just like that, on Max. So your thoughts on both of these shows, you know, and just like that, Obviously, it's a continuation of Sex in the City, although Kim Cattrall would, is only going to do a cameo because she wants nothing to do with, with Sarah Jessica Parker in real life. And that's something that's still, they're just holding on to it. They can't, you cannot back up the Brinks truck to Kim Cattrall to actually go back full time on the series, which I think is hilarious because there's still so much, you know, venom on that one. But what are your thoughts on on that? You still think it's finding the magic in season two and the bear in season two still going strong. Everybody and their grandmothers doing like cameos on it. 
this is I guess this is the cool show to be on right now on FX. Yeah, actually, I saw some uh, promotion for The Bear. I haven't watched it, but it it is making me want to go watch. I'm going to watch Justified first, but yeah, and it it looks, I don't know, it looks interesting. It looks uh, kind of an out-of-the-box type of show, so maybe that'll be something that pulls me into it. The Sex and the City thing is funny to me because it must be nice to have so much money that you could turn down what a million plus dollars just because you don't want to be in the same room with somebody. It's, it must be nice. And Kim control. I mean, it's not like she's starring anywhere. I mean, she did a, a recent uh, co-starring role as far as a parent on, I think it's my parents, the one with Robert De Niro that came out uh, during the uh, Memorial day holiday. It, that also bombed as well. She was in that, but yeah, she's not doing anything that's like, super big that she can't do this is the fact that she doesn't want to do this that she's financially said after years of being a star in hollywood that she doesn't have to deal with it it just tells me that there's so much tension and i've really and i've rarely seen this in the form of, of a set where there's so much bad blood that there's no way you can really get her back on on a full-time basis yeah, you know what's funny? Like when you and I hate somebody that we work with, like we have to go and be around them anyways. You know, like I, I don't understand like what could force her to hate Sarah Jessica Parker so much that she wouldn't be anywhere near her while filming. But I don't, I mean, I'm not in that tax bracket, so I have no idea what justifies that type of behavior. But it, it, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, from what I understand, people are still watching the show. So I don't, uh, you know, I don't really foresee it being uh, the doom of the Sex and the City franchise by any means. No, it's not like the idol where people are tuning that out in waves and it didn't even finish out its supposed six episode set and only gave it five. So yeah, that's mm. uh, that one's probably not got a long life to it. But We'll see what happens. It is, of course, again, and just like that. But the the bear, the bear is doing really well. And I think you should see that one on a lot of Emmy shortlists. So we'll see what happens there. But it is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Thanks so much for watching us and listening. But again, if you have comments on your what latest shows you're watching, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Well, my friend, before we head on out, it is uh, the halfway mark is already down. We're already into month seven. The year is going by just like that. And with that comes right now some thoughts, early thoughts on what we think is the best. And you know what everybody else likes to hear, the worst of 2023 as well. And, you know, we don't have much in the way as of yet. It's still growing. Although on the video game side, there's a ton of great games that are out there. I will tell you yeah. right now, 
this is going to be end up being one of the best years. I don't know if it'll challenge 2007. I think that's on a tier unto itself. It depends if uh, you can have a lot of these games go ahead and, and be the hallmark for the video game industry for the next decade, like the games in 2007 are, then you might change my mind on that. But 2007 is clearly my number one, but this could end up being my friend, the number two year ever for video games. Yeah. It's weird. Cause it's, there's, I mean, when we get to the end of the year and we do our end of the year stuff, there's going to be an overwhelmingly um, or sorry, an overwhelming amount of video games to choose from. Well, again, I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to go on as far as more great stuff that's coming out. But your thoughts, my friend, I'll let you go first. Uh, first off with the best of Josh culture for 2023. Okay, so let's see. I have watched Demon Slayer Season 3, which I'm, I'm digging a lot so far. Um, Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury, again, pretty good uh the what was it the season the season five of grand tour on amazon prime has been pretty good so far and was obi-wan a this year show no last year okay then that's that's pretty much where i stand with uh shows because that's really all i've i've watched <laughs> seemed like um, so long ago let me uh yeah open a series i'm go ahead and I'll, I'll check out but yeah it seemed like it was it was last year i could be touching on the yeah it was last year okay all right kind of scared uh, this, this year's gone by way too fast it it really has it really has so i mean other you know i've, I've watched two anime shows and a couple <laughs> couple other uh shows so I, I don't really have a lot in the tv category but movies um ant-man like we said ant-man quantumania not my favorite i really enjoyed air like i don't i, I don't know why it performed so well but like that was one of those movies that i or has not performed well has not performed well but i is one of those movies where I, I would sit there and i would watch it again like i i don't know i i enjoyed it i don't know what people were expecting from it but it i don't know i've i've it resonated with me mm -hmm. well my friend it's on amazon prime and but we'll close out the show talking amazon prime here in a minute because you know it's our favorite time of the year prime days so prime i'm going to talk about if you're looking at anything for that but anything else as far as for video games that you think is the best of pop culture for 2023 uh okay so i got i got a few here i got star wars jedi survivor has been I, i've i've really enjoyed playing it haven't finished it yet uh final fantasy 16 is definitely going to be in like my top three games of the year and Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. I haven't actually gotten around to finishing this one yet. So I'm hoping to get some time with that. But, uh, you know, out of left field, Wolong Fallen Dynasty was actually good. Did you get a chance to sit down with that? It's on Games Pass. No, but I will. That's one I'm targeting when I reignite or get Games Pass. Right around September when a certain game comes out for it named Starfield. Ah, nice. Yeah, but no, it's that's... It, it was a game Although that I do uh, know that it actually games pass did go up recently as well. It so. it did, unfortunately, but I, I mean, I still feel like it's worth the value. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ton of new stuff on there. I'm like, there is no better value in gaming right now than games pass. Uh, and I say that tr as best and objectively as I can. PlayStation has no interest in doing in matching it. They even said that in court that they have no interest in doing something that's comparative. So 
there you go yeah yeah so i mean that's 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 where my list is so far um i'm i'm still waiting for a movie to come out that just like takes my breath away for this year it just hasn't happened yet. and I, i'm you know judging from our talk earlier i don't know if it's going to well my friend uh you know i just think so far yeah, I can't say Witcher Blood Origins should be on my list of worst stuff because that actually came out on Christmas Day last year. So technically that's last year, kind of, even though, again, I would avoid that, but like the plague. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think my worst of 2023 so far is actually only one entity because there's been a lot of blah, but there hasn't been a lot of ew. The only ew that's been out there that I've really seen was Renfield. Renfield uh. with Nicholas Holt, Nicholas Cage. They weren't on the screen very much together. And when they were, that was good. The rest of the 90% of the movie is absolutely dreadful. And that's something, again, I can't get my two hours back. So I'm very disappointed there. I, I think that, again, Ant-Man the Wasp Quantumania is close to being on my bad list, but it just misses. I think it's it's okay enough. I give it the slightest possible positive score I could probably give it. I do think also as well that John Wick 4 for me was a little underwhelming. It's a little long. It's two and a half hours. So, you know, he puts himself into a precarious situation, an action sequence after action sequence after action sequence after action sequence. Kind of lessens what's going on. It is not the... It's the number three for me of the number of the four John Wick films because I think number number two is my favorite and number one is right behind it. Those two are much above three and four. So that those would you are my, say would you say it's kind of like the transporter? Like the first movie was like, oh, it's kind of cool, and then it's just the same thing over and over again for like three it, more movies. It is pretty much that they're trying to find different ways to go ahead and spread the violence out, and they give you this ambiguous ending as far as you don't know if John Wick has survived or not. So, hint everybody out there, they're already talking John Wick Five, so that'll tell you the answer. But when it comes to you know, John Wick 4 was like, all right, it was there. But two and a half hours, it was just, I think it's too long because they're just, they don't flesh out the story. It just goes, it's like a, it's like a video game in many ways because it goes from one action sequence to another without fleshing out the story. And you and I played video games where it does just that. It's the ones that don't include the story that, that it reminds me of. But again, it's it was just a little disappointing, but not to the point where I call it a bad movie by any situation. It is Renfield right now for me. I will say, though, the best of pop culture, squeaking in, barely, as far as an enjoyable movie for me and it's some of my best of pop culture, is Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. That's on the tail end. It was good. It was popcorn good. It's a lot yeah. of fun. So I, I do recommend it. it. I enjoyed it as well. I thought it was it was good. It's not great, but it's really fun, and I really enjoyed it, and I do recommend it for people sitting down. Even if you're not familiar with D&D, it doesn't matter because it really doesn't go and use a lot of the D&D tropes, which I think a lot of people, by the fact and by the nature said D&D, I think that a lot of people got scared away and scared off yeah. by it. Mm-hmm. I think if they just would have said Honor Amongst Thieves, a D&D story, or something like that, something where the D&D is far, uh, Dungeons & Dragons part of it as far as vague, probably would have done a little bit better still wouldn't have made their money back but it probably would have done a little bit better 
probably the best of pop culture 2023 as of right now. When it comes to video games, you mentioned a lot of them. When it comes to Tears of the Kingdom, you've already seen Street Fighter VI. You've already seen the great grades that also as well uh, Final Fantasy 16 has gotten. You've seen Star Wars Jedi Survivor, Kick It as well. Those have been great experiences. But I want to give a big shout out to the remakes. This could be the best year ever, my friend, for remakes. The Last of Us PC remake, uh, you know, Last of Us 2 PC remake aside, or was it number one that they put out? Anyways, I think it was number one, but The Last of Us PC remake aside. Resident Evil 4, Dead Space, and Metro Prime all got remakes this year, and they all kicked butt. They're all really, really good, my friend. You know what's funny is I I I bought I have Dead Space remake and I was playing it and playing it on like a like a high def TV it's not nearly like the the noises are still scary but when you're watching like the things like clawing towards you you know and trying to trying to like chop your limbs off like it's just it loses its um, creepiness because the just the way that the lights were all dim in those old 360 games uh, sorry rants still great game i i absolutely agree with you i hope they remake the second one too you and i both my friend we'll wait and see and then again metroid prime really well thought of that sold out they actually had to produce more physical copies which i know pleases you just because the sheer demand of it and then resident evil 4 dead space to all great great jobs star trek picard season three actually saved this television series because season one was eh and season two was in the toilet. Season three was very good. Absolutely very good. And the reason why is because they brought the cast of the next generation all back together, which was truly smart, my friend. A truly smart move to bring everybody together to find a story that clicks. Yeah, they did include the Borg. Yet again, that's a fail-safe for them all the time is bring back the Borg when you doubt, you know, when... Whenever you doubt it, just bring back the Borg. They had actually a good way to start about, you know, five, six episodes in. And then it went eh, a little bit with the with the Borg. And I'm like, oh, you know, but okay. Still ended up pretty good. Again, a very good overall as far as Star Trek Picard Season 3. Bono and the Edge, A Sword of Homecoming on Disney+. Plus. I highly recommend it. I know a lot of people out there, you know, just do not like you two for whatever reason. You know, whether they just are still resentful that they were on their Apple device or whatever. I think that if you get a chance. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Bono and, the, you know, Bono and the Edge, you know, I understand they're your dad's or your granddad's or your mom's or your grandma's band. But you two really still can do it and really can still do it together. Bono and the Edge got a chance to play a series of songs in Ireland and with David Lenderman there. Uh, hosting it and, and doing a, you know in-depth interviews with them, really, really looking good. I would have loved to have seen them here at the Sphere that just opened up earlier this week and that I got actually on the Pop Culture Cosmos YouTube page if you want to check out that video. But the supposed affordable prices turned into packages that are absolutely obscene. So I will unfortunately miss my all-time favorite band, but. Bono and the Edge of Sword of Homecoming is almost like you've got them there because they did a great job. And The Last of Us, I'm going to count it for this year, 2023, is by far and away the best show of the year so far. 
I haven't seen the bear yet. I know a lot of people are high on that. Secession, I know a lot of people are high on that as well. Uh, Barry, I know a lot of people are high on that. But The Last of Us, to me, is really well done. You know, episodes uh, three, everybody seems to be still be talking about the the story, the love story there. But the overall, the series itself, the way that it stayed true to much of what we love about the video game and how it created its own story and its own well-done characterizations at the same time is truly quite remarkable. Yeah, I forgot about that. That's when I, I want to go back and watch me and my wife are watching it. And she got uh, she got scared when the old lady was eating her husband in the first episode. And we just have not gone back to it since. I, I want to go back and finish it, though. I'll tell you what, though, it is the best of pop culture so far for 2023. Josh and I have it written down, so you'll be hearing some of this again later on this year. Hopefully, we're going to add more. I'm so excited to go see Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1. I can't wait to see that. But what I'm really thinking, you probably could put it down right now, my friend. Dune Part 2 on November Mm. 3rd. Count it, baby. Count it. That already looks good. That looks like a done deal. I cannot wait to go ahead and see that. That looks tremendous. After coming off of Dune Part 1, I'm excited to see that. Yeah, me too. I And this is definitely like I my one of my biggest regrets movies is that I did not see Dune in the theater. I've seen all of Dennis Villeneuve's movies in the theaters, and I regret not going to see Dune. Told so you. this one, I will remedy this situation by going to see Dune 2 in the movie theaters. I think you and and uh, Melinda both didn't catch in the theaters, if I'm not, not mistaken. Yeah, I, I watched it at home, and it just wasn't the same. She watches it regularly. I've watched it on my 4K television, and it looks absolutely brilliant. But to see it in IMAX was truly a treat. And uh, I know my wife and I are going to do the same thing here for at least uh, for dune part two which i'm so excited for denis villeneuve is going to knock it out of the park once again but that's our best of pop culture and worst of pop culture so far in 2023 if you have thoughts on the best and worst of pop culture please let us know we'll tell it on the air popculturecosmos at yahoo.com but before we head on out my friend want to hear some final thoughts prime day is coming up my friend any last thoughts on prime day before we head on out yeah, I'm actually hoping to catch some uh, deals on on some uh, collectibles here. I I I want to pick up some Pokemon cards, that's for sure, mm-hmm. and I want to pick up some collectibles. But I also want like anime Blu-rays. I don't know. I'm excited. I'm gonna. I'm hopefully not gonna spend, you know, my kids' college funds. So I don't know. I mean, I'm excited. There's a lot of things that I am looking for. I'm thinking about upgrading our ring security system. And that's something I, because I've got Amazon products. If it's an Amazon related products, it's already on sale. So go check it out right now. And of course, during the prime day sales, well, they've also got, if you're interested, one of their best selling or their best selling TV all time, a 43 smart television, 1080 really, or no, so 4k, 4k, I believe uh, smart television, Toshiba. I think it actually has been, you know, the long standing, one of their best selling televisions ever. I think it for certain members, I don't know if they were running the sale still, but around the July 4th sale last week, it was, they was at $99. So it could still be there. You know, they're going to run a sale on it. So, yeah. Hey, yeah. And this is a great time to buy TVs too. The, yeah. the prime day and black Friday. There you go.
go. My and also, you know, the competitors, Walmart and other competitors, Best Buy, they're also running sales. So take a look at that for, as well. Yes. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great.